Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. You're listening to the Simply Vegan podcast, the show that's all about making veganism easy, fun and accessible. Brought to you by the team at Vegan Food and Living, the UK's best-selling vegan magazine, you can catch us every Tuesday and every Thursday. If you're doing No Meat May, you will want to listen to today's show. I'm chatting to Rosie Martin, an NHS dietitian and member of Plant-Based Health Professionals. Rosie started out in quite a different field of work before switching to healthcare, and now she wants to spread the word about the link between meat and cancer. Rosie explains how just a small amount of processed meat can increase our risk of things like bowel cancer, and we also delve into which foods are the most powerful at fighting off disease. Have a listen. Life can be hectic, and finding fresh and nutritional vegan recipes can become another thing to worry about. But don't worry, our best-selling magazine, Vegan Food and Living, is on hand to help. You can join us today and by visiting veganfoodandliving.com forward slash podcast or using code podcast when you order with us. Choose between our print and digital plus membership to receive the latest issue to your door or to your device, along with having easy access to thousands of plant-based recipes at your fingertips in our fully searchable digital magazine archive. Join us today and make cooking delicious vegan food that much more exciting by visiting veganfoodliving forward slash podcast. Hi, Rosie. How are you? Hello. I'm good. Thank you. Lovely to have you on the show. We always love speaking to um, the guys at Plant-Based Health Professionals. You do some fantastic work. Do you want to tell us about yourself and how you came to be such a plant-based champion? Yeah, of course. So... Well, since I was a little girl, I've just loved animals and I've always felt a real connection with them. So when I left school, I went to study zoology and actually ended up working as a behavioral biologist studying animal behavior and welfare in zoos in the UK and Australia. Um, 
and I think yeah it was an incredible career and I think during this time nutrition was always a hobby for me I loved reading about it and I was kind of fascinated with nutrition science but then I came across kind of a vegan way to eat in about 2012 and I decided to try it and I felt amazing and so I was doing a lot more research into it and then I found out kind of what really went on in the meat and the dairy and the egg industries to produce our food and obviously as a lover of animals, it kind of solidified my choice to be vegan. And I, at the same time, I became quite uncomfortable with working in the industry I was working in uh, that kept, you know, wild animals caged. So, you know, wondering why we feel we have the right to do that kind of rather than focusing on protecting habitats that, that we're destroying. So anyway, I decided not to continue in that career. And I saw this as a really exciting opportunity to change my direction and get stuck into nutrition. So I retrained as a dietitian, which at the time was quite unusual to be a vegan dietitian. And after a few years of experience on hospital wards and in the local cancer centre, I went into preventative and lifestyle nutrition, uh, focusing on plant-based nutrition. And I think you know, having read the research and experienced the benefits, I knew that kind of my love of animals and my fascination with nutrition had kind of collided into the career that I have today. So I now work with um, working the NHS still. Um, and I also run my own private clinic, Rosemary Nutrition and Dietetics. And I also support the work, as you said, of, of plant based health professionals UK and I've kind of never looked back and I absolutely love it. Amazing. What a story. I've got so many questions now. Um, so when you worked, you worked in zoos, is that yes, right? So I did, yeah. What which I mean, which ones? Sort of ones in the UK? Yeah, so um in the UK, zoos, um, Painton Zoo, I did some work at, um, and then I moved to Australia and worked at Taronga Zoo in Sydney for a little while. Um so it was all around studying the behaviour and the welfare of animals. Um, so doing projects around around looking at, you know, their behavior in certain situations and helping with, you know, integration of different animals when new animals came to the zoo and those sorts of things, just learning more about their behavior in those situations. Amazing. I mean, do you think it's ethical then for vegans to visit zoos? We're totally going off topic here. I promise you we will (laughs) get into the, (laughs) what we're supposed to be talking about, which is obviously nutrition and cancer and diet and stuff. Um, Mm. But I thought, you know, I've always wondered, um, because Obviously, sometimes it's zoos are kind of doing good work to kind of keep breeds going. Is that right? There is a lot of work that goes into, yes, absolutely keeping certain breeds um, and certain species uh, going. And as you said, there are certain uh, projects where, you know, we need to look at um, different genetics and making sure that we're mixing the right genetics to to have a, a healthy gene pool for different species that may be going extinct. And there's also lots of research and conservation going on as well. But I think for me, one of the problems with zoos was that we, I think visiting zoos as children, we see these animals in the context of being contained and controlled by humans. And we don't kind of see them in their natural habitat where they're, you know, they're often big and majestic animals that are completely evolved and suited to the habitats that they live in and so I think as children seeing them in that context I think just you see them a little bit wrong and and you you kind of get the idea that humans are in control of these animals but I think a lot more of the um, uh, investment needs to go into actually protecting the animals in the environments that they're in and unfortunately sometimes in the zoo industry we can put individual animal welfare, uh, we can kind of sacrifice that to be teaching children about animals. And I, 
I, I felt uncomfortable with that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we need to get you back on the podcast to talk about all this. <laughs> it's, a whole nother, it's a whole nother show, isn't it? It is. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about, I mean, so you, do you specialize in cancer? Is that just part of what you do as a dietitian? It's part of what I do now. Um, I did specialise in cancer for about 18 months when I was working in the NHS. Um, So across a range of different um, places in the cancer journey. So I'd be supporting people who had had a diagnosis and maybe more palliative or the end of life. Um, And then I'd also run projects that help people after treatment living with and beyond cancer so people who had a very good survival and were going to be living well maybe with cancer or with the effects of treatment of cancer so I've got a range of experience of cancer in the NHS but it's now it's just one of the things that I that I support people Mm. with. How does it work then if you're working as a dietitian and you're vegan within the NHS because obviously they don't necessarily recommend a fully vegan diet do they so how does that work? Absolutely. So I think in the NHS, it, it can be quite difficult because I think, you you know, you see a lot of things on hospital menus and being served to patients on wards that you don't necessarily agree with. And I think a lot of the work that I did was focusing on because we know it, you know, it's it's known and it's uh, promoted by the World Cancer Research Fund that we know that we need to reduce um, things like our red and our processed meat. We need to increase our intake of fiber. That's all well known and that that's supported by NHS as well so it was really focusing on that and although we wouldn't be going and saying to people you need to follow a vegan diet or you need to go plant-based we would be looking at meeting them where they are and actually trying to get them to go in the direction of the science so increasing their plant foods if they're having lots of red meat processed meat getting them to reduce that and that was no issue at all so that that's absolutely supported by NHS. Yeah, I, my sister was doing um, some kind of bank work for the NHS at our local hospital and she was just shocked at they had this sort of emergency cupboard for when people came in late at night or something and they needed something to eat. And she said it was all white bread and just processed food. And it was just like, what? <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah, I think there is a little bit of a disconnect there, unfortunately, with catering and with the sort of new evidence that we know about cancer and, and the effect that diet can have. And I think for a lot of people, it's making that connection between what they're eating and their risk. Um, and unfortunately, at the moment, hospitals aren't sort of spearheading that. Um, but I'm hoping that that will change in the future. Yeah, that's what we need to keep pushing for. Mm. So what evidence is there to support the fact that meat can cause cancer and what kind of cancers can it cause? So over the last sort of 10 years or so, there's strong evidence that has proven that processed meat causes cancer so we're equally sure of that link as we are for other proven causes of cancer so things like tobacco and uv rays from the sun so processed meat is your ham bacon salami sausages um, and this increases the risk of bowel cancer and stomach cancer that's a definite link Um, and just to put that in context we know that bowel cancer is the fourth most common cancer in the uk Um, so that's just something to, to bear in mind and there's also lots of good evidence that red meat also increases the risk of bowel cancer as well 
And when we're thinking about how much, um, one study in 2019 looked at how much may increase the risk. And we found that even moderate amounts of, um, of meat at 70 grams a day, which is what the government guidelines recommend people to cut down to, still increases the risk of cancer. In fact, Cancer Research UK state that our risk of cancer increases with every 25 grams of processed meat a person eats a day, um, which is about a rasher of bacon or a slice of ham. So we can conclude really that the less, the better. Wow. I mean, that's, you know, that's a small amount, isn't it? One piece of ham. Absolutely. Yeah. Think of all those school children having their, you know, ham sandwiches every day or whatever. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's scary. (laughs) Um, So if, if someone is diagnosed with cancer, um, can, so you advise them to sort of switch to as, as plant-based as possible. Can it, can it still make a difference or is it kind of too late to, to help? Absolutely, it can help. So I don't think it's ever too late to implement healthy lifestyle changes um, into your into your way of life. And a cancer diagnosis is often a time when people will start to reevaluate their diet and their lifestyle and have a bit more motivation maybe to do the best that they can for their health. So we know that a healthier diet can support people through treatment. So things like our surgery, radiotherapy, chemotherapy, it can also support quality of life. So when you're either living with or beyond cancer, then a plant-based diet can help you to manage your weight and support your well-being. And it also helps to reduce the risk of cancers coming back as well, or cancer, uh, secondary cancers developing. Um, So in the case of breast cancer, for example, foods, we know that foods containing soy and fiber have been linked to a reduced risk of of cancer coming back. Um, And I think it's important to note that if someone has been diagnosed with cancer, their nutritional needs will often change. So for example, you may need more energy or more protein, particularly if you're going through kind of intensive treatment. So my advice would be really to work with a dietitian to ensure you're eating a diet that will cover your nutritional needs during this time. And there's no reason why that can't be plant-based. Yeah, I think it can be difficult, can't it? Because I guess, you know, if you're having treatment and you're feeling sick or you've you've spent your whole life eating a certain way, um, I'm guessing it can be quite hard to make a change. So, I mean, obviously, it's not about being vegan e- either, is it? It's, it's about being plant based because that's where all the goodness is, the whole foods, rather than just you know, picking up some vegan sausages or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, you know, every patient or client, they're, they're on their, their their own journey. They've got their own effects from any treatment that they may have gone through. You're absolutely right. Some treatments can cause dry mouth or sickness, nausea, bowel changes, all those types of things. So it's really important to have some individual advice to support with that, because sometimes it is about trying to get extra energy and where we can. So a lot of the time we'll be talking about high energy foods and, you know, again, there's no reason why we can't choose plant-based high energy foods and vegan high energy foods. And, you know, in some circumstances that might be that convenience foods become useful because they're providing more energy in some cases. So it's really very individual um, with, with cancer treatments. Yeah. What would a high energy plant-based food be? So things like um, your nut butters, your dates, um, things like um, hummus, using olive oil on sort of your veggies, um, using things like uh, extra nuts and seeds in smoothies or you know, hemp seeds or soy milks, those types of things um, would be kind of more your whole food, high energy foods. Yeah, oh, that sounds that sounds tasty. <laughs> My grandmother sadly um died of bowel cancer and it was 
really quite shocking to watch her go through that. And I just wish that I'd been vegan many, many years ago and could have sort of imparted what I know now to her so that, you know, she wouldn't have gone through so much suffering. I mean, you know, back in her day, I think there was a lot of, you know, butter and sort of bacon and sausages and sort of things like that. Lots of convenience food. So um, yeah, the more we can do to sort of prevent these diseases, the better. What um, what books would you recommend? I love How Not to Die by Michael Greger. Do you do you have like your favorite kind of go to books for anyone who's sort of interested in this field? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm sorry to hear about about your grandma. Obviously, having that personal experience does give you that that kind of more um, interest in, in things. And I think. I think it is important just to say that obviously, you know, when we're talking about diet and these sorts of things, we are just, we are talking about risk. Um, So there's no diet that you can follow that will prevent you from, from getting cancer. It just makes you um, less at risk. Um, So I think that's just important, important to mention. Mm. Um, In terms of the the books, um, absolutely. So uh, the the plant-based health professionals website has lots of fact sheets um, and webinars that can be used by people as well, which is a wealth of information. Um, And some of our advisory board members and ambassadors have some brilliant books as well. So we've got Dr. Alan Desmond, who's a gastroenterologist who has a book called The Plant-Based Diet Revolution. We've got Gemma Newman, who's a GP, who's got the Plant Power Doctor book. And then Shireen Kassam, who's a hematologist who heads up plant-based health professionals, um, has a book called Eating Plant-Based. There's another book that I would recommend by Simon Hill called Plant Proof. So he kind of delves into some of the science as well. Um, And some of us have supported Deliciously Ella with her new book as well, which is called How to Go Plant-Based, which is due out in August um, 22. So definitely watch out for that one as well. Okay, that sounds interesting. I'd love to look out for that one. We had um, Simon on the podcast, actually. Uh, oh, I, think it, I think it was last year. I mean, he's just amazing, isn't he? Just Absolute wealth of information. Yeah. And really goes down to the science. He's yeah got some really good resources out there. Yeah, I think if you're a bit nerdy and you like all the facts and the figures and the science, yeah. then have a listen to his podcast, Plant. It's Plant Proof, isn't it? It is, yeah. And he, I think there's a new one that's called The Proof, um, where he's going to sort of expand out of nutrition and look at some other things as well. So yeah, definitely one to, to look up. Yeah. So what kind of cancer-fighting sh- foods should we be eating on a plant-based diet? So I think the main thing is to include a variety of colourful plant foods, things like fruits and vegetables, because these can offer protection from cancer. As we've seen, sort of if people have low intakes of these foods, they can be more at risk of cancer. So plant foods contain fibre that promote bowel health um, and reduce cancer by actually diluting any potential carcinogens in our bowel and help to them to move more quickly out of the gut. So you've got less contact time between potential carcinogens and the gut lining. And fibre also feeds our good bacteria, which then produces short chain fatty acids, one of which is a quite, a quite well-known one is called butyrate. And this actually goes on to reduce inflammation, improve bowel health and actually reduce our risk of cancer as well. And in fact, some studies have shown that it actually inhibits cancer cell growth and it even selectively targets cancer cells. So fiber is a really big one. So high fiber plant foods um, is, is what you want to be going for. Plants also contain a variety of phytochemicals or plant chemicals that have been found to influence the development of cancer in many different ways. So, so for example, lycopene and tomatoes, sulforaphane from cruciferous, cruciferous, I can never say that word. That's hard. Vegetables. <laughs> cruciferous, um, particularly broccoli sprouts um, and lignins in flax seeds as well so there's no 
one food that will reduce your risk. There's no one food to go out there and just start eating lots of. It's your overall dietary pattern that's going to affect your risk. So eating more high fiber plant foods with a diversity of colors will be most beneficial to reducing that risk. And, you know, also incorporating that with your lifestyle. We know the diet is one one factor, but thinking also about things like your exposure to tobacco, smoke, pollution, UV rays, alcohol, and keeping a, a, a suitable body weight as well, um, or a healthy body weight also has an influence on our risk. Yeah, it's about diversity, isn't it? Rather than kind of you know, okay, so you might eat, you know, some fruit every day and some vegetables, but if you're kind of having the same every single day, day in, day out, day out, you're going to kind of get less of those nutrients. So I guess it's like important to mix it up as much Absolutely. as possible. Yeah. So all the different colors in fruits and vegetables and different plant foods, they represent all the different micronutrients and phytochemicals that come in those different plant foods. And we know that a diversity of those can be really healthy for our diets it can promote the diversity in the number of bacteria in our gut so we know that the more diverse our gut bacteria um that the healthier our, our gut microbiome will be and you know we know there's lots of research coming out on how important our gut microbiome is on our overall health which includes risk of cancer as well as other chronic diseases as well so there hasn't been research to show that actually 30 plant foods a week um, is a good target to aim for so if you are wanting to kind of see where you're at actually writing down every new plant food that you eat over the course of a week um, so one point for every plant, different plant food and then I think it's about a quarter of a point for each uh, herb or spice that you include and if you can get to 30 you know you've got a nice diverse uh, intake of plant foods it's not actually as hard as it sounds is it because like you say you've got the herbs and spices which us yeah. vegans tend to use loads of in everything to give it yeah. give our vegetables flavor so yeah we <laughs> did we did a challenge actually I think it was um well, it's over a year ago on the podcast and we yeah we were sort of thinking oh my god 30 a week but actually <laughs> we found it fairly easy so yeah definitely um I'd suggest listeners give that a try it's a really good tip yeah yeah, once you start breaking it down, actually, you know, our whole grains are included as well. So your rice or your wheat or, you know, whatever else you're, you're having, all those different plant foods count. Yeah. Well, this is going out during No Meat May. So what advice, what tips would you give to anyone who's completely new to kind of cutting down or cutting out meat? I think it would be um, looking for alternatives, healthy, high protein alternatives that you can swap out your meat for. So if you're focusing on meat, you know, easy wins to start with would be to swap from, you know, maybe instead of having your pork sausages, switching to a plant based sausage. If you want to go one step further, then going for more whole foods is going to be better as well. So maybe swapping for things like lentils or beans or maybe trying out a recipe with tofu or tempeh or seitan, something like that. So have a look at where you might be able to make some of those swaps so you can get rid of that that meat out of your diet, I would say. Yeah, I think the um, the sort of shop-bought things are great to get you started, aren't they? And, you know, just replace like for like and then you can get a bit more adventurous as you sort of go along. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, with, with these types of things, if someone is wanting to make a transition to more plant based, then some people, you know, there, there are people out there I've worked with who just want to dive in and do it straight away. And things like Veganuary are quite a good way to do that, where you just dive in and, and give it a go. And in that way, you can really see what the differences are within a few weeks. 
but some people do like to take it a, bit, a little bit more slowly as well. So start, you know, looking for some alternatives, giving things a swap, trying some recipes, and you don't have to go all in. You know, you could even start by swapping your breakfast to make it a completely plant-based breakfast and then maybe looking at your lunches and snacks and, and taking it a little bit more slowly. So yeah, it, everyone's quite individual with that. Yeah, there's so many resources, aren't there? I and mean, then you've got cookbooks, you've got Instagrammers, you've got blogs you know there's yeah so much out there YouTube so yeah don't be scared of the tofu give it a try absolutely yeah and I think the fact that there is so much information out there can make it feel overwhelming for some people True. so bring it back to your own diet and just think about where you'd like to start and start making some steps um I think a lot of people come to me and say you know it feels very confusing there's so much information out there I don't know if I'll get it right actually it's quite simple think about an alternative protein source and fill your plate with fruits and vegetables and some whole grains as well well and you shouldn't go too far wrong yeah I think that we're sort of sometimes in danger of overthinking it aren't we well, what Absolutely. about this nutrient and this vitamin and am, am I getting yeah. enough but yeah um okay well just to finish do you think we will ever see a world where meat is sort of labeled with cancer warnings like cigarettes I think that's a really interesting question I know that there is about a 17 year lag between research evidence and changes in kind of policy and clinical practice. So, for example, between the first evidence that smoking may cause cancer and the recognition of this by health and government authorities was about 17 years. Um, And this is because the evidence needs to be robust enough to say we are sure before anything changes. And this takes a lot of research. So we're now at the point where we do know that that these processed meats cause cancer. So I would hope that at some point this would happen. But I think in the meantime, you know, as we saw with cigarette industry in the past, we're seeing a fight back from meat industries. So for example, the claim that meat provides things like iron and zinc and other minerals that we need, um, it was being used to make it sound like we need meat as part of a healthy diet. And it's true, they are high in these things, but this is not true. We don't need them in our diet to get these things. And we've seen these claims, you know, on TV adverts in, you know, quite high profile places Mm. and the meat industry is powerful. So I'd be surprised if we did see it anytime soon. Um, But I would welcome it based on the research and based on the soaring numbers of people who are fighting cancer in the Western world today. You know, we see millions of pounds and, and campaigns and fundraising for cancer research charities. But I do feel that often, although diet and lifestyle factors are just one part of the puzzle, that they are often overlooked. And Cancer Research UK have stated that one in 20 UK cancers could be prevented through a healthy diet. And I think that's about 50% for bowel cancer, which is huge Mm. when you see the devastating effects that cancer can have on a life. Um, So I would hope that that would happen. But I, I, you know, we have to be realistic. There are a lot of fight back against against this this way of eating. Yeah, but it would save the NHS so much money. I know. (laughs) I know. <laughs> oh, it's so frustrating, oh, but yeah. we we live in hope, and um, you know, it's uh, it always gives me hope speaking to people like you who you know are sort of fighting the good fight, as it were, and <laughs> you know, spreading the knowledge that um, plant based is kind of the best way to go. So, thank you so much, Rosie. It's been so lovely to talk to you, and as always, I could talk to you all day. I mean, you know, <laughs> anyone from the plant based health professionals, they're always so full of knowledge. Um, where can where can our listeners follow you and find out more about you? Sure. So um, I have a website, it's rosemarynutrition.co.uk. Um, and I also I'm on Instagram, plant dietitian Rosie. Brilliant. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back on Tuesday with Molly. And next Thursday, I'll be chatting to Paul Curtin, otherwise known as Hench Herbivore. He's a nutritionist and bodybuilder. And his partner, Gemma Nichols, joins us as well. They are very knowledgeable about uh, weight management on a whole food plant-based diet. And um, it's definitely worth a listen. In the meantime, don't forget to hit subscribe. Leave us a review and email us at simplyvegan at anthem.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.